Praise God. Well, if you're a guest, either online, watching, or here today, we're so thankful that you're here. There's just worship, places of worship all over, especially online, but you chose to either tune in here or be here in, in person. We're so thankful for you. Please know that we feel that way. We have a guest for you if you have children, and we want to invite you to a VIP lunch. We had one today with John and Alex. Today it was awesome getting to chat and hang out with them a little bit. And if you're a guest, we invite you to come back to that. Nobody asks you to commit to anything, sign anything, join anything. It's none of that. It's just us getting to tell you why we exist as a church and hearing your story. Praise God. You may be seated today. Just have a, a few quick announcements before we dismiss Rock Church. Next Sunday, uh, we have a guest speaker coming to be with us. You'll want to not only be here, invite a guest to join you, uh, our special speaker, and he's not a stranger around here. He's been here before. Uh, Brother Gavin and Sister Tasha Cole will be with us for our service next week, Sunday. And uh, I know we're all excited about that. Probably nobody more excited than Sister Phoebe, but... Uh, she gets to see her son, and so he's going to be ministering, and they're going to be ministering in our service next Sunday. Uh, and then we all have a department head meeting following that service for those of you who serve in the department head role. We always like to do this because we're, we're, we're about halfway through or so, a little over halfway through our second campaign. Um, we're more than halfway through uh, our second campaign, and whenever someone completes, that's such a, we've all, so many of us have stretched and, and, and set money aside to, to try to construct, initially to construct a facility, now we're looking to purchase one. Uh, as you can see, look around and say, man, there's not too much room for growth still around here, and, and so we want to get a new facility to continue to make more disciples and, and to impact the greater Kansas City area even more, and so... Um, we're, we're keeping our eyes open for that. But anytime someone completes their campaign pledge, we give honor to them because that's a time of sacrifice. So we celebrate with you that you've completed your pledge. And, and this past week, we're thankful Brother and Sister Schultz have completed their second stewardship campaign pledge. And so thank God for that. Now on to some... And continuing some exciting things. Today we got a baptism planned. And you know what's even more exciting about that? Is the water's clean, warm. There's a bunch of gowns back there. So if you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ by immersion for the remission of your sins, there's a gown with your name on it too. More people can get baptized today. But what? But one of those is young, Jonathan Breckenridge somewhere, hanging out, there he is. He's getting baptized after Rock Church, so make sure you grab all your friends and bring them on up, because they'll be back up here after Rock Church, and he's going to get baptized. So we're excited about that. And then also, uh, for those of you that don't know, there's some hardware up here. Uh, I want to give you an update about that. So there is Bible quizzing. If, if you've never been familiar with that, people, they memorize hundreds of scriptures and they, it's not just memorize the Bible and quote it. They have to complete questions. And it's just, if you've never seen a Bible quiz event, you need to watch one sometime. It is unbelievable, incredible what these young people can do. Uh, but Missouri District has a string of Bible quiz tournaments where you compete against other churches in Missouri. But but halfway through, they, they have what they call a Bible quiz extravaganza to where it's entire region. So there's four in the whole, the whole country of North, or the whole country of the United States. And so uh, there's four different events. And this is the North Central event where we'll compete against teams from Nebraska, Wisconsin, Indiana, uh, Ohio, uh, Wisconsin, uh, Missouri. I'm, I'm trying to remember all the different churches, Iowa, Illinois. I'm, I'm, my geography is just showing itself right now. But we're trying to compete against all these, all these teams. And this is such a special event that depending on how many teams are there, anywhere from two to four or five teams can qualify for nationals, which is the big tournament that you're really trying to get to because that's the whole North American continent. And so if you can get, if you can place high enough, depending on how many teams are in your category, you can actually clinch your spot at nationals before you even get to your district or your state tournament. 
in all the years we've been here, and even my wife has talked about how special this is, that she was an incredible quizzer, but hadn't, hadn't ever clinched at, at a BQE. Um, so it's a big deal. It's a big deal. That's because they didn't allow that when I was a quizzer. Oh, sorry. Or I There's have. her competitive, uh, <laughs> her competitive spirit. My kids got a double dose. Well, two weeks ago, we didn't give you an event because we're going to save it all for one day. Two weeks ago, we had the junior BQE in St. Louis. That's for the younger teams. And there were 43 teams there in juniors. 43 teams in juniors. They memorized 166 verses. And this is Jude. Where's Jude at? Where'd Jude go? All right, Jude, get up here. This is bad. This is my son. I don't even know where he's sitting in the church. He had 43 teams there. He memorized 166 verses. He's quizzing with a, 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 a teammate from Lebanon, Missouri. And uh, unfortunately, the teammate forgot to bring him his trophy because there's a trophy to present, but you'll see a picture in a second. Well, they ended up losing their very first quiz. It's double elimination. So they were done for the first day of quizzing. The second day of quizzing, they came back and they quizzed eight straight times. They went seven and two, took fourth place, and Jude and Elam have clinched a place at nationals. So, I'm glad you're excited because later on the sermon will be calling on you to help financially support these kids going to nationals. Intermediates just took place in Wisconsin. Uh, uh, when we got back about one in the morning, I was thanking God for afternoon service. Um, but intermediates, if our intermediate teams, or if our mini- intermediate team would come up. Oh, J- actually, Jared's at a school event today. So, our intermediate team is her and Jared. And their coaches... One is here, one is coming, and their number one fan. (laughs) Intermediates had 21 teams. They memorized 270 verses. They ended up going four and two, and both Kiera and Jared, which is crazy, usually not a a typical thing at BQE, both Kiera and Jared were on the all-tournament team as some of the highest individual scoring quizzers. They went, they went four and two, and they lost in the last question of the championship round and took second place. And then our experience team, come on up, which Dylan's missing. I didn't say that? See, I, I, I just get excited. They clinched nationals also. And now on to the experience team and their coaches. They had 25 teams, which... My wife was saying she was speaking to somebody who said that statistically the North Central region puts out the highest amount of teams that place at nationals out of any region. So they are, they are quizzing against some of the best of the best. And they had 25 teams. They've memorized 342 verses. They went four and two and they took fourth place at the BQE. Guys, I want you to know all of this hardware and individual achievements and team achievements 
Listen, we're still excited if they don't even place at all. Worship. God, they, they're hiding God's word in their heart. They are, they're making you so proud with their worship, with their spirit. So many of the judges, national people are at BQEs, not just Missouri people. National people were walking up to me going, now are you their pastor? I can't tell you enough. Their spirit, they have such an anointing upon them. As they're quoting the word, they're actually talking to me, coming up to me saying, your kids have such an anointing. The kids of Refuge Church have such an anointing upon them, and they have such beautiful spirits. So it's not just the trophies, but everything they're doing would make you so proud. But this kind of stuff, what you see here, is not normal for BQEs. They have just worked so hard, and I just want you to, one more time, give them just a huge round of applause. And I forgot to mention that this man right here was the second highest scoring individual in the whole experience division. Praise God. You may be seated. And I'm sure there's other things that I forgot to say because you get up here and there's so many great things that happen that you start talking and you just forget stuff. And it's not because I'm old. I just want you to know that. Rock Church, you're dismissed. Go have a wonderful time downstairs. Well, I pray that all of you were either here last week or that you were able to tune in. If not, I really suggest going back because I wasn't planning on doing a two-part two-part series that starts on Easter. I've never done that before. It wasn't my intention. But um, that's what I felt God led, leading me to do. And so I ended up doing that. And tonight, today is the second part of this series that we will wrap up today. But I said last week that God was, was and is dealing with me. He started to work on me really uh, on the, at the Fivefold Ministry Conference several weeks ago when they were speaking and I was listening and I was just praying and, I, and God spoke to me and said, and, and he said this, I anticipated this to mean a building that we actually put an offer in on, but all he said to me was, Gary, the building is taken care of. Now I'm going to work on you. That's all he said to me. So I assumed that was a specific building I was looking at, which it still may be, but it's in God's hands. So now that's great. I don't have to worry about that. He's, he's taking care of that. But I also don't need to worry on the fact that he's working on me, but that can be a little worrisome when God says, I'm going to start working on you. And he has been. He really has been. Because church, God is calling us. I, I really can't emphasize this enough. God is calling us to greater depths in him. What good is a church building, a new facility, larger structure, more parking? What good is that to have a greater, grander gathering space if it doesn't translate into any greater depth? I don't, I don't, I don't want to just gather in a bigger space. I want to go deeper. I want to know Jesus more. I said last week, the cross was not just there to be a blessing to receive, but it paved the way for God to be pursued. Before a cross, you couldn't just, you couldn't just, you know, oh yeah, I just come into the presence of God whenever I want it. No. When Jesus died on that cross, it, it, a veil was torn, and an invitation was given for you to know him more. And so I ended last week with a question. I said, are you interested in knowing him more? You know, and, and of course, every, and I, I think if you remember me saying this, that I know I want everybody to respond, but I know you gather a bunch of different people on all different parts of their journey with God, and you put them in one place, and I know, I know that not every single person is going to be so hungry and desiring of God. 
But I did, I will say that it, it, my heart, just part of my heart was like, ah, oh, when I said, and God is here, and how much do you want to know him? When we opened up the altar, and as some people came up, and I looked up, and I saw some people just standing there on their phones like this. And I know that I wish there was something in me where I could preach us into a greater level of depth in Christ. I wish there was something where I could tell the praise team to say, hey, sing that magical song that makes everybody want God more. It doesn't exist because the depth of our relationship with God is only determined by you. We can try to come up with programs that are conducive and we want our praise teams to be anointed and spiritually prepared. Certainly, I hope every time I step in this pulpit, I'm spiritually prepared. But at the end of the day, your, your walk with God, the depth of your relationship is only determined by your desire. That's it. And so today, I want to finish this second week of receiving or pursuing and when God showed up, I want to go to Genesis chapter 18, verse, verse 1. God shows up to Abraham and Sarah. And when God would show up, it was called in the Old Testament, it would be called a theophany, to where there would be an, an, an individual experience with, with a person. And God would literally show up in some type of a form, in a human form, and say, hey, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't Jesus Christ. We don't believe here that Jesus pre-existed the womb of Mary. It was a manifestation of God, that God would show up however he wanted. And so this day, the Bible says that, that there were he, and, and, and it was talking about God, and it was talking about two angels. It's interesting, because then it says the angels left, and, God stood, and Abraham stood yet before the Lord, which leads me to believe that one of those three individuals that showed up at Abraham's tent that day, one was a theophany, a manifestation of God, and then two angels. But when you start off reading this verse in Genesis chapter 18, verse 1, it says, the Lord appeared again to Abraham near the oak grove belonging to Mamre. He, one day Abraham was sitting in the entrance of his tent during the hottest part of the day. And it says, he looked up and noticed three men standing nearby. And when he saw them, he ran to meet them and welcomed them, bowing low to the ground. My Lord, he said, if it pleases you, stop here for a while. It's the hottest part of the day. I'm inviting you, Lord, into my dwelling space. Rest in the shade of this tree. Water will be brought to wash your feet. In that day and age, that was a sign that was a very hospitable. That was something they would walk through the dust, and that was a, something that was traditional. You'd do that as, as a great host. Since you've honored your servant with this visit, let me prepare some food to refresh you before you continue on your journey. All right, they said, do as you have said. So Abraham ran back to the tent and said to Sarah, hurry, get three large measures of your best flour, knead it in the dough and make some bread. Why? Because, because God, I've invited him into our dwelling place and we're willing to bring our best and our sacrificial things to offer him something. And I want to serve him and wash his feet. And Abraham ran out to the herd and chose a tender calf and gave it to his servant who quickly prepared it. This is, this is taking from his own to offer it to God. When the food was ready, Abraham took some yogurt and milk and the roasted meat and he served it to the men. And as they ate, Abraham waited on them in the shade of the tree. Where's Sarah, your wife? The visitors asked. She's inside in the tent, Abraham replied. One of them said, I will return to you about this time next year and your, and your wife, Sarah, who was barren, unable to have children, is going to have a son. And Sarah was listening from the tent. I know nobody here has ever done that. Somebody's having a conversation in another room. <laughs> nobody here has ever listened in on someone else's conversation. So we can't, we can't fathom that, I know. But Sarah was listening. From the tent. And Abraham and Sarah were, were both very old. I, I can't have kids. She can't have kids. Okay, she's old, all right? And Sarah was long past the age of bearing, having children. So, yeah. 
She's not having any kids, okay? She's long past that time. And so she laughed silently. It doesn't even say she went, she just, I don't know who these guys are, but woo. She just kind of chuckled to herself, and she thought, how could a worn-out woman like me enjoy such pleasure, especially when my master, my husband, is also so old? And the Lord said to Abraham, see, there's no doubt to me, this is is a manifestation of God. They're sitting out by the tree. Remember, she was trying to listen into the conversation. The Lord says, why did Sarah just laugh? Could you imagine the terror? You ever get caught listening in on somebody's conversation? No, of course you didn't because you don't do it in the first place. But imagine. She's like, she probably heard him say, why, why, why is Sarah laughing? Why did she just say, can an old woman like me have a baby? If she didn't believe a second ago, that's kind of a cool little... Uh, display there. Is anything too hard for the Lord? No matter what your situation is, ask yourself that question right now. Look at your neighbor right now and say, is anything too hard for the Lord? We chuckle, we smile, but think about the answer to that question. Is anything too hard for the Lord? He says, I'm going to return this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. And Sarah was afraid. No, no, I didn't laugh. I wasn't even listening to your conversation. But the Lord said, no, you did laugh. You can't mess with God. We think we can be slick. God's like, no, you did laugh. You know, we're nice sometimes. We're like, oh, really? I thought you did. No, God's like, no, I'm going to call you out. You did laugh. You did. So the men then got up from their meal and looked towards Sodom. And Abraham went with them to send them on their way. Now, I want you to see before we even go on right here. This is interesting because in this culture, there would have been a proper goodbye. A lot of times, you even see Paul in the news have to greet one another with a, oh, with a holy kiss. Like, there, there was, you, you wouldn't have had, oh, I saw them. I bowed to the ground. Let me wash your feet. I'm going to uh, kill a tender calf. Let's go ahead and get you some yogurt. Sit here in the shade of the tree. We're going to serve you. And then all of a sudden, when it's time to leave, they just get up and walk out and there's no goodbye. That wouldn't happen. There would have been pleasantries exchanged. There would have been a a, a goodbye. There's something would have been offered. But I believe something transpired right here. Because when, when God and the angels, it simply says, they get up, they just stood up and just went to leave. I think that was really important because you know what I think God was doing right there? was he was going, I'm going to get up and I'm going to walk away from this place because I just gave you something you and your wife have been praying for for a really long time. I've given you blessing. You've been wanting a son. You've been wanting a child. And I just showed up in your house, answered your prayer, gave you what you want, and now I'm going to walk away because I want to see if what you want from me is only blessing. Because for us, many of us, maybe we would just go, whoa, yes, that was incredible, Sarah. Did you hear that? We're going to have a baby. This is the day we've been waiting for. We received from God, and God, he, he certainly visited this place. But I think God was going, I'm going to get up and walk away, and I want to see, are you content with the blessing, or will you keep pursuing me? And Abraham stood up to his feet and he followed him. And it was only at that time that God said, should I hide my plan from Abraham? Was he consulting his own will? Was he speaking to the angels? 
I don't know. But when people want to try, you, try, and, tell, try and tell you there's a, co- or a pre-existent son that was in heaven, and that's who God was talking to in Genesis 1, where he says, let us make man in our image. No, that's, let's, let, let's see. Make man in our image. Well, this, this is not God, cons- father consulting a son who is pre-existent. This was either him consulting his own will or speaking to angels. He's spoken to angels and consulted with them many times. Not that he needs their permission. But they're recorded as being in heaven with him. And so he says, should I go ahead and do this? For He says, Abraham will certainly become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. I have singled him out so that he will direct his sons and their families to keep the way of the Lord. And I will do for Abraham everything that I've promised. So the Lord told Abraham, But does the Lord tell Abraham anything if Abraham stays in his tent and celebrates his blessing with his wife? I don't think so. This revelatory moment only happens because Abraham said, blessing is awesome, but I still want to pursue you. Too often we stop at the blessing and cease to pursue And he says, I've heard an outcry from Sodom and Gomorrah. Their sin is flagrant. And he starts to talk to Abraham about what he's going to do in Sodom and Gomorrah. He says, I'm going to see if their actions are as wicked as I heard. If if not, I'm going to know. The other men turned towards Sodom, but the Lord, the other men turned towards Sodom, but the Lord remained with Abraham. We read that and just go on. But can you imagine this moment? You're in the presence of God and angels. And the angels leave and you are sitting there in the human manifestation of God Almighty, just you and him. But that doesn't happen. That does not happen if he does not continue to pursue. And so he remains yet with Abraham. He's literally sitting there in his presence of God. He's he's, he's just in that place. What is your goal today? Receiving or pursuing? Blessing or depth? Oh, yeah, that's great that you're going to give us a son. But I want to continue to pursue you. And when I do, that's where revelation takes place. That's where... Scripture says, and he remained yet before the Lord. He remained yet with Abraham. Look also at the story of Moses in Exodus 33. There was a desire to go beyond the moment. It says, one day Moses said to the Lord, you've been telling me, take these people. He, he had led them out of Egypt, and, and here they are. They hey, Take these people to the promised land. You haven't told me whom you will send with me. You, you told me I know you by name, and you said I look favorably on you. If it's true that you look favorably on me, then let me know your ways so that I may understand you more fully and continue to enjoy your favor and remember that the nation is your very own people. The Lord replied, he says, I'm going to personally go with you, Moses, and I will give you rest. Everything will be fine for you. Just stop. That's awesome. Sometimes we're just like, God, I just want you to speak to me. God just spoke. God, I just want you to know that you're with me. He just said, I'm with you. This is where most people stop right here. And we feel good about ourselves because I prayed. I sought his face. God spoke. He said he's with me. I have peace. Cool. Let's go. Let's, let's, let's take the land. Let's go forward. Let's go minister. And this is where we stop. And I don't think this is even bad. I think that God's got a relationship with Moses. I think this is powerful. He's sitting here and he's conversing with God and God's responding. God's saying, I'm with you. I will give you rest. I'm going to do what I said. But that's where I think many of us live our lives. We're saying, hey, I'm a believer. I pray. I hear from God. Me and God have a relationship. But Moses says, I'm not stopping there. And Moses said, if you don't personally go with us, don't make us leave this place. Guys, this has been my prayer from day one in looking for a church. 
I'm going, God, we're looking for a new place to worship, to expand, to reach more people, make more disciples. But Lord, if you're not leading this, if you're not going with us, don't let us leave this building. We'll stay right here because it ain't worth it to go into some facility if you're not there. And he says, he says, how will we know? Anyone know that you look favorably on me and, and, I, and on your people if you don't go with us, if your presence among us sets your people and me apart from all others in the earth? He said, the Lord replied to Moses, I will indeed do what you asked. I'll look favorably on you. I know you by name again. This is where we go. Okay, I've asked him twice. We've talked twice. Oh, I've had some really great altar experiences here recently. I don't really need to go any deeper, man. Last time I was there, I cried. I prayed. I spoke in tongues. I felt Jesus. And we say that's all I need. Oh, I got to feel Jesus. Oh, it was a wonderful service. It was a powerful time at the altar. It's the second time he does this. And Moses, again, does not stop. He says, God, show me your glory. I just, Moses, I'm sitting here talking to you. I assured you two times I'm with you. I told you I'm going to be with you. I told you I'm going to accomplish the things that you, you want me to accomplish. My presence is going to be with Moses. You got nothing to worry about. Go. Do you think that God could have showed him his glory in step one? Absolutely. But there's something in God sometimes that says, I'm just going to walk away and see if they'll pursue me. We see it with Abraham. We see it with Moses. He, he could have said, you know, Moses, you want me? I know you want me. I'm just going to show you my glory. But he does not start there. He says, Moses, I'm with you. I'm going to be with you. Yep, absolutely. You got me. You got, you got, I'm going I'm to walk with you. You don't have anything to worry about. But God, I need you. Oh, yep, Moses, second time. Yep, you got nothing to worry about. I'm going to be with you, Moses. You don't have anything to fear. But Moses says, no. God, I don't just want powerful altar calls. I don't just want goosebumps when we sing a song that I like. I don't want to just raise my hands and have tears occasionally fall down my cheeks. I don't want to just be a part of a church that you say, oh, the power and presence of God is here. God can do anything. We go, oh, amen. Oh, thank you. That was a good service. That was powerful. Moses is like, I want more than that. I don't want to just lead people. I don't want to just have a promised land. God, I want to see your glory. I want to experience you in ways I have never experienced you before. And I'm looking at a group of people that I'm praying to God that as long as we've served God and the great things that we've seen him do, I know many of us have seen signs, wonders, miracles. We've prayed with people at altars. We've shed tears at altars. We've raised hands, jumped, prayed, cried. We've had powerful moves of God's spirit. But in order to do something like we've never done, there has to be something in some people. I know it's not gonna be everybody at first, but there's gotta be something in some people that are going, my God, I appreciate you. I know you're with me. I know you talked to me. I felt your spirit. I felt your power. But God, with all due respect, I don't want to stay here anymore. I want to see some things I've never seen. I want to experience some things I've never experienced. I want to see your glory, God. I want to go beyond where I am in this current relationship, and I want to go deeper. And so he says, show me your glory. And God replies and says, I'm going to make all my goodness pass before you. And will call out my name, Yahweh, before you. For I will show mercy to anyone I choose. I will show compassion to anyone I choose. And, but you may not look directly at my face, for no one may see me and live. The Lord continues, he said, look, stand near me on this rock. Even that itself, we fly past that. Go back a verse. We fly past that. Do you realize what God just said right there? He said, stand near me. Could you imagine Abraham's experience? The angels leave, and it's just me and God just chatting. Moses is on the side of this mountain, and he's saying, God, I want more. And God says, just stand here on the side of this rock. Just stay near me. Why? Because God's desire, it's not just yours. God's desire 
is to keep you near him. He says, stand near me, Moses. Next verse he says, as my glorious presence passes you, I will hide you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. And then he says, then I will remove my hand and let you see me from behind, but my face will not be seen. In King James, it says hinder parts are the parts that were before this moment. Many, many scholars believe this was the moment. How does Moses write the book of Genesis when he wasn't even there? Many, people, many, many scholars believe this was the moment that God gave him revelation about the beginning of time that allowed Moses to write the first five books, though the first were the beginning things of the book of Genesis, in a revelatory moment that he does not get if he stops at the first altar call. He does not get that if he says, thanks, Lord, man, I heard from God today. It was wonderful. Me and God spoke, yes. Me and God are deep. We had a great move. I felt God, and I heard his voice at the altar today. no. That's beautiful and that's wonderful. But do you know you can have as much of God as you want? How much are you willing to pursue? Because at the end of the day, what it boils down to is do you want him more or the things of the world more? That's it. That's it. We all have busy things in lives, and there's things going on in our hearts and our minds, our lives all the time. But whether or not you're here today or whether or not you're here next Sunday, well, I got this and job and school and work and this and yard work and responsibilities and all this stuff, we all have those. But the person that says, no, I will be here, why? It's not because my life's boring and yours is, or my life's busy, yours is boring. It's not like that. It's just, there are people that say, nothing matters more to me than being in the house of the Lord. Amen. Nothing matters more to me than getting in the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Because I want him. I want to know him. I want that. I want to stand in the cleft of the rock. And I want to say, Jesus, God, I know that I know you. I know that I've had experiences with you. My Lord, oh yeah, I'm the pastor of the church. I better know scripture. I better pray, my goodness. But I don't want to just stay here. I want to stand here and I want to say, God, show me your glory. Let's go deeper than where we are right now. But here's the thing, is not many people do that because we feel Jesus enough and we experience him enough that we get content with the first or the second altar call. When God is looking at us, going, oh, I'll give you way more than this, but I'm going to walk away and I'm going to see, are you content with the blessing of what you've been praying for or are you willing to pursue me? Are you willing to go deeper? Are you willing to say, you know what? This right here is just not enough anymore. Notice he didn't ask God, Lord, give me, give me wisdom. I got to lead these people. And where's the promised land? How do I get there? What should I say to them today? No, his concerns were not with all that. But that's where we mess up a lot. God, give me wisdom, Lord, as I teach this Sunday school class. God, I'm going to be speaking to you. Help me. Lord, I'm going to be playing my instrument today. Help things to go well. I don't want to make a fool of myself. God, I'm going to be singing a song today. I want to sing. Help me to sound great. We might even get real spiritual. Lord, help me to have an anointing today, God, as I speak, as I preach. Help me to be anointed as I sing today. Help me to be anointed as I play this instrument today. And we come to him for purposes. We come to him and we say, oh, this is good. I even prayed before I got up today. And somehow that makes us feel chivalrous. And we should do those things. But I don't only want to come to God because I need to tap into his power for what I'm going to do in that location. I don't only want to come to God because, Lord, I need your glory because I'm in the pulpit today. God, I need your glory because I'm playing an instrument today. God, I need your glory because I'm teaching children today. No, 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 no. God, I want to know. I want to I want to see your glory just because I want to know you. Because I want me and you to be closer than we have ever been before. I want me and you to go to greater depths than we have ever gone before. God, I want to hear your voice with clarity. I want to feel your hand upon my life, Jesus.
Jesus. And I don't only want it because I want to perform in a pulpit. I want it because I love you, because I want to know you, because I want to have greater depth of our relationship, Jesus. I want to move beyond. I want to see our church move beyond this just blessing of ministry. And I want to be blessed in ministry. Don't get me wrong. But see, when we walk with God, anything we do in ministry, it will be the overflow of what's inside. You can fake ministry for a really long time based on talent, based on gifting. You can fake doing things really well. I know right now that I could get up and say things that would get you to stand on your feet and clap your hands and get excited. Why? Because I've done this long enough. I know. That's not a knock to you. It's just, hey, you can do things on gifting and talent, but that's not what I'm interested in. I want to get up here, and I want to have walked with Jesus through the week that when I get up to minister, what begins to spill out of me is the natural overflow of what has spilled into me throughout the week. I don't want to just say, God, on Monday, Lord, what do you want to preach to the people Tuesday? God, I think I have a thought, Lord, anointed. Wednesday, I'm preparing this thought. Thursday and Friday, Jesus us anoint the service on Sunday. Help there to be guests there. Help people's lives to be changed. Jesus, anoint my message. I think we should pray over our messages. But if all I'm ever doing is coming to God and saying, what's the next message? Here it is. Now please anoint this message. Please anoint me in the pulpit. And I'm just doing that and I can somehow feel good about myself because I'm praying to have anointing to do what God's called me to do. And we can say, well, that's fine. That's good. But no, I want to say, God, on Monday, Show me things about yourself. Lord, talk to me. Not even just for the message. Talk to me for me. Because I want to see your face. I want to know you. I want to go deeper in you. I want more of you, God. Church, don't ever let ministry trick you into thinking you've got a relationship with God. Don't ever let ministry be the outlet that says, well, I just pour myself into that. So I'm a holy person. No, you might be, you might not be. But nothing ever, ever, not leading people out of Egypt, not leading them toward a promised land. Moses wasn't even concerned about that part. He just said, God, yes, I know you've called me to lead the people. And I don't want to go anywhere you're not. But God, I want you to know something. What I want today, more than anything, is I just want to see your glory. I just want to experience you. God doesn't only reveal himself through blessing, though. When we say we want to know him, that does include sometimes blessing and anointing upon life and ministry. What about when God reveals himself through trials and tribulations? The prophet Elijah has seen, he had seen some incredible things from God. Incredible. But he also fought some low points. Some would even say depression. When you read Elijah's story, someone say depression. First, First Kings 19.3 says, when he, Elijah, saw that, he arose and went for his life. He came to Beersheba, which belonged to Judah, and left his servant there. He himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and saw it. Notice, left the servant behind. Depression, depression. If you're, and some of you might, may battle this. This is not a knock on you. But be aware. Depression says, I'm going to get away from people and go by myself. It's not healthy. Not healthy. It's not healthy to live on an island by yourself. Certainly, there's times where we, we disconnect, recharge, do those things. That's healthy. But if you notice yourself constantly, I just want to be alone. I, want to be, I don't want anybody to call me. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to share this with anybody. It's just me. I can make it through this by myself. Don't believe that lie. God gave you a body of Christ. He grafted you into a tree, Scripture says. The Bible says we should weep, weep with those who weep, rejoice with those who rejoice. Bear one another's burdens. How can I bear your burdens if you won't even tell me what your burdens are? Okay? I understand there's spiritual gifts involved, but you don't always have to just rely on the spiritual gifts. You can tell somebody, hey, I'm not feeling like being around anybody. Will you pray with me? I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm going through a bout of depression, right? I feel like I'm struggling. I feel like I'm, I'm going through some things. Rely on people. But notice he says, you stay here, I'm going off by myself. And he says, and he, 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 he requested for himself that he might die. I mean, my goodness, he might be depressed and suicidal. Seriously. We don't think of mighty men of God 
fighting these things. But I would say, hey, somebody that says, I want to go be by myself and I want to die. That doesn't, that doesn't sound like it's, it's, a, it's a healthy mental state right now. He says, enough, oh Lord, take away my life. I'm better. I'm not any better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, an angel touched him and said, arise and eat. He's depressed, discouraged. Take my life. I want to be alone. I'm not going to eat. I'm not going to feed myself physically. Angel says, arise and eat. And he looked and behold, there was a cake, bacon on the coals and a cruise of water at his hand. And he did eat and drank. Anybody ever tells you not to eat cake? It's unhealthy. I'm going to say, listen, it's biblical. Shut your mouth. <laughs> my wife makes an awesome Butterfinger cake and it's, it's going to be served in heaven. So you're out of the will of God if you tell me not to eat cake. He's had a cruise of water at his head, and he did eat and drink. Laid him down again. It wasn't quite enough. He got up. He ate. Went back. Angel came a second time. Thank you, God, for second chances. Thank you, God, for not giving me only one chance. Anybody can relate to that? God has not only given me one chance. Angel came a second time. Touched him and says, arise and eat. The journey is too great for thee. He's not interested in a journey. I'm thankful that God sees in us things when we don't see them in ourselves. And he arose and ate and drank again and went in the strength of the Lord and the meat for 40 days, 40 nights to Horeb in the mountain of God. So he goes to the mountain now. And he came thither to, to a cave and lodged there. And behold, the word of God came to him. Because at some point, God just kind of shakes us out of our current mental state. Notice an angel came, and then an angel came back a second time, but now the word of God comes to him. Elijah, what are you doing here? And Elijah goes off on this rant. I'll tell you why I'm here. I've been very jealous for the God of hosts. The children of Israel have forsaken that covenant, thrown down altars, killed your provinces. Where I'm the only one left. I'll tell you why I'm here, God. I've been working for you for years, and this is what I get. I don't. It's just been constant challenge and battle, and it's tough. And I'm ready to be done. I just want to die. I'm the only one here. Why? Because the enemy will make you think when you're pouring yourself out in ministry that you're so burnt out that no one is experiencing what you're experiencing. No one has gone through what you're going through. No one is being treated the way that you're being treated. Don't believe that baloney. And so he says, I've been very jealous. He, he says all this thing. Next verse. And he said, go forth and stand upon the mount before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by. So God's kind of like, all right, I'm going to show you something here. So he says, go stand on the mountain. Go stand on the mountain before the Lord. Great things happen when you're willing to climb the mountain and get along with God. So he's standing there and the Lord passes by and a great strong wind rent the mountains and broke it in pieces and the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And then he says, and then after the wind there was an earthquake. So imagine Elijah standing like, whoa, that was amazing. Wind just whipped through and tore the rocks up. And where's God? Whoa, it's an earthquake. Things are happening. Wow, that's incredible. Where's God? But he wasn't there. Verse 12, and after the earthquake of fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after a fire, a still small voice. And then, it was only then, God starts to speak to Elijah. It's interesting. Do you remember, any of you that's been around church a while, what we used to call those services where God's Spirit moved so much in the service, in the song service, that there was no preaching? What do we call it? Blowout. As a kid, you love that because you're like, whew, I don't have to listen to the preacher today. You just hear the dun 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 You're like, yeah, no preaching, yes. And now, and I used to be that kid, and here I am as the preacher now. I'm like, no preaching's good. Listen, listen. Our humanity tends to look for God in powerful demonstrations. Hear me. I'm not going to be much longer. We 
We look for God in powerful demonstrations. Youth convention? You know what I heard about from a lot of people? Demon possessed getting cast out. Wheelchair, somebody rising and walking out of a wheelchair. That was awesome. And those should happen. That should happen. But that's the highlight. Because we love the powerful demonstrations. But the still small voice is just as powerful. If not, more powerful. See, Elijah looked for God in, dare I say, he looked for him in the rushing mighty wind. He looked for God in the moving and the shaking of the earthquake and figured he'd find God in the blowout. Well, then he must have found him in the cloven tongues like his fire because we love the demonstrations of the Holy Ghost. But God wasn't in those places. Elijah was looking for him in those demonstrations just like we often do, but to go to the next level of, uh, in God, the, deep, the deeper place of relationship that only comes from a place of intimacy, a place where you get alone with God. You see, Elijah had called fire down from heaven. The prophets, and it consumed the sacrifice in a public assembly. We love those stories. But do you notice the people who had these, these in-depth, greater experiences where revelation comes forward, where their lives are changed? It was in one-to-one moments. Just sitting alone with God. I talk to everybody, but of course I have such a passion for you guys. I really do. In some ways, maybe it's because I feel like I get to I get to help mold and shape your lives maybe a little more than I do somebody who's an elder because they might be more set in their ways than you guys. You guys are special. But whether you are mightily used of God or not is not just because you're going to preach conference, convention, pray with somebody and they walk out of a wheelchair. You can do that. Absolutely. Your power with God is going to come from intimate one-on-one moments where you get alone with him. Where you get alone. You just want to be with him. It's not about the camps, conferences, and conventions all the time. Go to those. They're powerful. But it's when the people of God say, I just want to be alone. I want to hear your voice. I want to see your glory. Oh man, the earthquake, the wind, the fire. But here you are. Hang on. Shh. God speaking. I'm just here by myself. There's nobody to pray with. There's nothing to proclaim. There's nothing to sing or preach. But me and Jesus are just alone right now. And he's talking to me. He's speaking to me. And you know, he's doing that right here this afternoon because God is calling you deeper. He's calling you deeper. You know, we love the fire and all that. The, the fire isn't always the cloven tongues and spirit outpouring. Sometimes the fire is a fiery furnace. Both Brother Sisko and Brother Kleinsens tell stories about Ethiopia. How they were killing Christians and an Ethiopian minister of their Teclamarian. At one point they just grabbed people and they killed the Christians. They were killing all the Christians and as they took them away, one of the people they killed was the minister's child. 
they gathered all the bodies and they drove off and they started chucking the bodies off into one pile. And to their dismay, as they threw the bodies off, the body of the Christian would hit the ground and they would stand up with life. But for some reason, they all actually came back to life, except for the minister's son or the minister's child. And Americans were saying, why are you not weeping for your children? What is going on? And Teclamarian's wife said, why would we weep for our child when our child is the first blessed one to see the Savior's face? She said, there's a difference. Americans pray for God to remove their trial. Ethiopians pray when they don't have a trial in a while and they go, God, what are we doing wrong? We can't wrap our brains. God, I want to, Lord, use me, God. Lord, do anything you need to do, God. Develop, mold, and shape me, Jesus. And then he starts the process. And we go, God, please, why are you letting this happen? Remove this from me in the name of Jesus. And he's going, I actually sent this to develop you for what I'm calling you to be. See, ultimately, we have to ask ourselves, do we want blessing and comfort? Or do you want your life to reflect what Jesus Christ has called your life to reflect? Folks, he started working on me several weeks ago. But if you want to join the process, he'll start working on you too. You may not be interested in that. But if you want greater depth, be willing to pray hard prayers that say, God, whatever you need to do to make me who you want me to be. See, in the Bible, God revealed himself in the wilderness, in the lion's den, in a fiery furnace, on the cross, in a tomb, with fire and brimstone rain from heaven, death by stoning, lions were eating Christians, and on various battlefields. It was not just with promotions and cars and houses and finances and retirement. Certainly, those, those things, can, there's not, I'm not saying those things are sinful. But I don't want to only seek the blessing. I'm blessed. I'm blessed. But I don't want to just stay with my wife in my home and rejoice in the blessing. And when God walks away, I, walk, I watch him walk away. I want to go, no, where are you going? I want to be with you. What are you doing? God, I want to hear your voice. If God's going to work on us, are you okay with that? Would you walk through a fiery furnace or a lion's den if God was going to use it to develop some things in you? They didn't know. They said, he's capable of delivering me. If not, they entered the fiery furnace and lion's den. They entered expecting to die. Going, well, he can do it. But if not, here we go. And they were, they, and they were delivered. First century Christians were not. They were fed to lions. There wasn't deliverance. Or do you just prefer the life of Daniel pre-lion's den when he served in the palace? Or Moses pre-deliverer when he served in the palace? Simply because God blessed him and spared his life. Know this. Musicians can come. God didn't bless you. He didn't deliver you just to make you comfortable. I know this, this, is, this is just not a fun mess. It's not popular. I didn't expect today anybody to be on the organ and people to be clapping, going, whoa, that's good preaching. But this is the preaching that will preach you into a greater depth. He did this to get you out of where you were into and into what he has planned next for you. 
But what he's going to do from this moment forward, from right here, today, right now. See, this is what's so incredible. I want you to, I want you to look me in the eye. I don't care if this is your first time here. You've been here all your life. If you look at me and say, this preacher, he's gone too long already. Get this thing done. Let's go. God has a divine plan for you. He looks at you and he sees where you are and he's pulling you to where he wants you to be. He desperately wants to use you. He wants to say, stay here by me and I'm going to show you some powerful things. But this is simply an invitation to you. Some of you are just going to get up and walk out. Some of you are going to go, Jesus' name, Lord, help. God bless. Amen. But some of you are going to go, no, no, I, I want more. God, maybe it's scary for me to pray this, but do whatever you need to do to get me to what you want me to be. I truly believe that God wants to mightily use you if you desire, if you pursue, or hear me, he will continue to let you serve. Hear me. He will continue to let you serve in a palace of prosperity. Moses, Moses heard from God in the palace. Some of these people, Daniel heard from God in the palace. He talked to God, had a relationship with God. He will still love you. You're not, I'm not saying you're going to hell if you don't go deeper in God. He'll still love you where you are. You can still talk to him. He'll talk to you. You'll have a relationship. He might even do some signs, wonders, and miracles through you. Absolutely. You'll still have your testimony, your deliverance of what God's done through you to you. But unless you're hungry, you will never walk in the place of power that he has for you. You can know him. He can talk to you. But if you're here going, I don't just want to step in and out of the anointing. I don't want to just occasionally feel God or weep or speak in tongues or just occasionally feel goosebumps or, or just occasionally feel that touch from him. No. And you're going, no, I, I want I want more. I want to see his glory. I want to go places I've never gone. He's going to look at you and he's going to start to draw you and go, all right, I, I walked away. I've blessed you. But now I walked away to see if you'd pursue. You ready to pursue me? Now watch. We're going to go in a process. I'm going to, I'm going to let you see the hinder parts. I'm going to let you see some prophetic things. I'm going to let you in on some things that might not always be easy. They might not always be fun, but I got you and I'm going to show you things and I'm going to develop things in you. And so ultimately it comes down to this for our church, for us personally, is do you want God today? Do you want God today? Right now where you're sitting, where you're watching online, do you want him are, are you content with where you are? And if you want to stay where you are, that's fine. But there's something in some people that are going, no, I want more. I want to see your glory. I want to go places I've never gone. I want to, I want to see things and hear things that I've never seen and heard. I don't just want blessing. I want God. I don't want just anointing for a pulpit or a musical instrument or a lesson. I want to know you. I want to see your face. I want to know you. I don't want to just receive. I want to pursue. I don't want to just be content with yesterday's blessing. I don't want to just say, oh, last week's altar call was good. Or, oh, I remember that one time when God did this. Oh, hey, remember when we went to that prayer meeting and God did that? No, I want to say, God, that brought me to this moment. And in this moment, I want more. I want more. I want to pursue you. I want to stand in the cleft to the rock. 
I don't want to just look for you in the earthquakes and in the fire in all the powerful demonstrations God I want to get alone with you and I want to sometimes just shut my mouth and learn to listen I want to hear your voice with clarity I want to hear the still small voice if you will listen today that still small voice might be speaking to you about your ministry your anointing your calling about your relationship with him it it might be saying you know what I've been wanting to reveal myself to you I want you to know me by name I know you by name but I want you to know me by name I want to reveal things about myself that maybe no one else has seen just because no one else has seen it doesn't mean that you shouldn't be hungry for it just because someone else around you is content with where they are don't be content with where you are something in you needs to be going God I want more I want more of you Jesus I don't want this to just be an altar call on a Sunday service I want this to catapult me in to a greater depth on Monday on Tuesday weeks months years from now I want something to transpire in this service that will take you and I to places where we've never been in our relationship in our friendship God I want to stand in the cleft of the rock I want to pursue you I don't want to be content with just blessing God I want to be in your presence I want to hear your voice